Hey, well, thanks for joining us on Discipleship.ca today, T. Uh, we've got my over 30-year friend, <laughs> uh, Jorn Green, who is, let's get this right, Arendelle uh, Alliance Church in Saskatoon, lead pastor, yeah. former or current Miller Bible College professor. Are you like an adjunct? Uh, I still do some adjunct for them. There you go. So you're a current professor. And uh, did I kind of have I noticed that maybe you are are back in the academic school world as a student? Questioning some of my life choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you're working. I'm assuming you're working on the 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 big D. We get to call you yeah, Doctor yeah. Doctor Joran. Yeah. There we go. Uh, that'll make for Just awesome Jordan. stories. So yeah. So Joran and oh, I yeah. were uh, freshmen at Bible College in a. Uh, three decades ago, and uh, I still had hair. Yeah, life has life has bumped us along the way uh, into uh, each other's worlds, and he's had the privilege of uh, educating my oldest child in in Bible college. So the circle has come complete for you. There you go. You get you get my whole family. Um, thanks for joining us for a conversation on discipleship. So we'll we'll dive straight in uh, when you hear the word discipleship. Uh, what does it mean for you personally? Like, I know you've got the pastoral and the academic bent, but what does it mean for you, like, as a as a believer? What does discipleship boil down to for you? You know, I've been pondering this, thinking about this for actually quite a few years because of my my time at the college, and often you'd revert to an academic answer. Now that I'm a pastor, pastoral answer, I keep coming back. I was so heavily shaped by my youth group experience. Uh, I think you were up in Bonneville at one time. I grew up in St. Paul, Alberta, and I still remember my my youth leaders who actually modeled discipleship for me. So my answer isn't pastoral and it's not academic. It's it's actually practical through the lens of a 16-year-old kid who realized he wanted to love Jesus and live his life that way. And ex- being on the receiving end, experiencing a couple who said, we will love you. We will work with you. We love Jesus and we're going to help you to love Jesus too. And we're going to do life together. We're going to do youth group together. We're just going to be together authentically. And I remember at 15, 16, 17, watching this couple and thinking how much I, I loved Jesus in them and through them and wanting to be like them. And so for me, the discipleship is always kind of that idea of we're sharing Jesus' life together. Yeah, so it's, for you, it's much more of a, that, that modeling, modeling what you say you believe, actually living it out in, in community. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, like what happens when something goes wrong? What's your first reaction? What happens when you think no one's looking? Um, what is what is your first, what's your heart inclination and, and being challenged that I have choices as a, as a Christian that daily I can live the surrendered life to Jesus and by God's grace I'm gonna do it better today than I did it yesterday and hmm. I can talk about it when it doesn't work and we can be honest with each other and we can encourage each other and know by the work of the Spirit that this year is gonna be better than last year is gonna be better than the year before. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're looking at that incremental life change the directional directionality of we're we're in a journey somewhere yeah towards something yep. right yeah yep 
love the metaphor. I, I did track when I was in high school and some of those life lessons just kind of stuck that whole idea that you don't win a race the day of the race. There's months or years of yeah. lead up to it. And it's a great workout's awesome, but a great workout's useless if you have one great workout and don't train for another month. Yeah. And, and learning just that ongoing, consistent, devoted, systematic, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be. And realizing some days are better than others. So how do you, this is like, this is where you, you asked, what are the questions? And I sent you the, the few, but then yep. I probed. So how do you okay. wrestle between that two? Because um, you just talked about the organic, organic, authentic displaying of it. So it's quite um, unprogrammed mm -hmm. to say. But then there's that directionality of it where you just use track as a metaphor, mm -hmm. which is absolutely programmed, right? Like you, you show up daily, you do your work, you work the specific muscles that are necessary, mm -hmm. you identify your weakness and you train against that, all of those kind of things. How do those two tensions work in your world? That that free, free authentic life along with, no, this is going to take some intentionality. Mm-hmm. I love that question. I drove my students nuts, you know, back when my <laughs> son was one of my students. I love paradox. I love tension. And I actually kind of rail against resolving them sometimes. Yeah. I'll hold those two in tension. I need to hold them in tension because even I'll use the track metaphor again. I was uh, coaching athletes. You have an athlete. They have a great workout. They have a great couple of workouts. Do we scrub the program? Do we stick to the program? You're making real-time decisions constantly you're juggling the in the moment the practical the the organic the living life against that more systematized programmatic piece and one of the things i love and i've got the luxury both at the college and as a pastor is i build program into what i do and i actually structure with some goals in mind we have a vision statement we have a purpose statement we have goals we talk about them as a staff this is where we're going and our vision at the church is to be a family of disciples, yeah. experiencing and proclaiming Christ's transforming love. So our vision is built around discipleship. So we're planning our sermon series after June. Uh, it is with discipleship in mind. Uh, our Awana program has that vision statement. We've got a strong program there, but at the same time, there's that day in, day out, week in, week out, in the moment stuff that happens between kids and leaders that we want to create that space that sometimes in a given week, it doesn't fit the nice neat box, but you yo-yo back and forth between the structure says yeah. this week, we're going to talk about sanctification and then you define sanctification. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, other weeks you go in and you go, you know what, this week's kind of a free week. We're going to, we're going to just see where the spirit leads and we're going to just start talking and doing life. And sometimes you go in with a plan and, and it's clear you're wrong. And sometimes you go in and you think I might be wrong, but you stick to the plan because instinctively, you know, spirit gives you that nudge. It's like, no, we're going to stick to our guns with this. And we don't understand why. And yeah. it, it's this ongoing weird back and forth you do between your structure and in the moment. That yeah, stands yeah. right. So that actually answers two of those questions. Okay. Like follow us is what does it look like? Cause yep. you kind of, you touched into the work life and for you work in ministry some people I interview, they're not necessarily in a pastoral role or, or a ministry role, but um, you kind of answered those two where you balance the tension of 
programmic stuff around church, but the authenticity authenticity mm -hmm. has to happen in the program, right? Like the people, you can't just punch the clock and spend that one hour at Awana or whatever it is. You got to actually have some relationship. When you see the kid at, you know, Walmart, you say hi Absolutely. kind of thing. You, you know, you, you let them rub into life. How does that work? And this is where the tension often is the biggest, being a pastor and being a husband and being a father and and then you actually have had the joy of being professor to student for your your uh, your kids and uh, all of that kind of stuff how does it work in family life because sometimes it's really hard to program your wife or your kids <laughs> you're right like you can't just say do the program <laughs> it's a little different there's a whole host of responses running through my head. That I, I think of our 30, I still remember us as freshmen together speculating on what our wives were going to be like and what we we're going to be like as married guys. You know what? Actually, Steve, I think that's a probably a, a question we don't ask often enough because I watch how many pastors, uh, there's struggles with their families and and I don't blame the pastors necessarily. I think there's some some whole church systemic reasons that that goes on. Um, I've watched some of the heartbreak in some of my friends' lives, and and you know, but for the grace of God, I'm I'm aware of it. With you know, my children are 23 and 21. Your son and I think my son was at your son's wedding. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I think both my kids were at your both, son's yeah, wedding. Both were at the um, wedding. They they made the the trek out. Um, so. It's interesting to have this conversation with you because I'm watching the McLean Green Generation 2 where there's relationship. One of the things that I accidentally fell into when, when my son was quite young was to refuse to see, I refuse to see ministry or what I do in ministry as a job. It, it's not. Yeah. It is a call. And that's an ongoing conversation I have with my staff team. And that really changes how you approach things. But then to say, my family is part of that call and they're part of the equation, which means there are times I need to step away and there's times I don't step away. Yeah. And you'll probably get a different answer from my kids if I stepped away enough or not enough. And I think for a lot of children, they would say, we didn't see enough. Uh, I have been upfront with my kids. One of my big life regrets has been, I didn't spend enough time at the park with them. Yeah. Uh, I went through a season, I was quite sick when my kids were young. Yeah. Uh, there's some um, a, a weird health, and basically it was untreatable. There's not much we could do about it, and I could just roll with it. And especially my daughter has said at times, you know, there were times she was frustrated, like you didn't come and play, and I, I was just too ill to do anything different. I wish I had done more, but at the same time, when we were at the college, the rule was I was touring quite a bit. I always had the right to travel with my family. Yeah. And we made it a goal um, of normalizing that ministry is, is what we do as a family and for my kids to feel like they have a place. I, I actually have a sneaky hunch. You've kind of maybe gone down some similar paths because I've watched where your kids have kind of landed similar, similar. to way my kids have. Um, I think your son interned with you. My son's in, in seminary and looking at ministry. My daughter's just graduated from Bible school herself. I, I think one of the things that happens in some of our families is that we create that sense where this is normal and they're part of, they're part of that call. And actually part of my mentoring was how do I train my kids up in knowing how to do ministry? Yeah. 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 And make it normal. Yeah. And that's that, I mean, that's a great answer because it is that, 
it does come all the way back, especially for people who are are in vocational ministry. It comes all the way back to how do you approach the the tasks of life, right? So you've got this mm-hmm. job in front of you, and it's so easy to very wrongly look at family and say, "Oh, they're part of my job," but yeah. you know they're part of the calling. And and uh, one of the things that we did, and like I always did, was just kind of walk into places and say, look, I'm a believer first. If I lose that, you don't want me as your pastor. Um, yep. I'm a husband second, because if I lose my marriage, you don't want me as your pastor. I'm a father third, because if you if I lose my family, you don't want me as your pastor. And then I'm a pastor, right? Like it, it, there's, it, there's a lot of steps that go in there. So same kind of thing though, right? When my, yep. when my kids were little, uh, I ruptured discs in my back and laid in a bed for two years and... <laughs> forget going to the park i couldn't go to upstairs <laughs> kind of thing. so so same same kind of deal like there's some stretches of time that I, I it was done very poorly uh family wise because of circumstances or my own stupidity and then there's other times where it's been really really good and god's by god's grace away we roll so um yeah, yeah it's it's kind of one of those one of those lovely lovely deals um yeah, we're we're rolling through them. So you can you get to be you get to go pastoral. I I I, uh, I asked Joran if he was going to give us some pastoral pa- uh, professorly wisdom, and and he tried to refrain from saying that he was going to give us some, but I think he is going to. But what is the one thing that you wished everybody knew or understood about discipleship? Like if you could download from the matrix into our brains that one key the thing that you you see as uh kind of foundational what would mm-hmm. it you know you you actually texted me that question and that question has haunted me since i read it because my first response is i don't know uh, and then i started to realize i probably do have an answer but i don't know if it's a good answer but you asked my opinion so you're getting my opinion uh, the the biggest thing i've noticed with believers and I mean, I've been around the church. I got saved in 1983. Yeah. Uh, you and I were freshmen in 92 together, not to put an age on both of us. <laughs> I think you. I'm older than you are. <laughs> oh, you're Ontario. Did you do grade uh, 13? I, I did. I you're did. older than I am. Yeah, I, I have hit. I'm, a, I'm, I'm proudly owning that I am 50 years old. So, yeah, good times. I, I'm, I'm staring at it imminently. The one thing I wish going back, going back even to my youth years, maybe even my upper elementary school, because one thing I'm going to push, I will push is that we often relegate discipleship to something we either do with little kids one way or we do with adults another way. We need to download into our brains to steal your language. I really like that. This idea that we all require ongoing lifelong discipleship and that it is a lengthy process and we're going to be at different journeys and there's going to be different people who come alongside us. Uh, I don't know who some of the professors were who played a big role in your life. I wouldn't be surprised if they're different than the guys when I was at Bible college. Uh, I just had a former, former student in my office here just before we started this call and, and we're having a conversation I'm one voice in their life. Other students had others. Yeah. And and we go through seasons where we need those different voices, but it's that ongoing discipleship. And it started when I learned my first verse in 1982. 
under my very first Sunday school teacher, I was in Chilliwack Alliance Church in 1982. By this shall all men know you were my disciples. If you love one another, John 13, 35, my very first verse. And then it went into my junior high years and I had new mentors and I had new disciples. And then in my high school years, one of the shifts that I didn't appreciate that I wish, and this you asked, what would I go back, is that probably earlier than we're ready to admit, we're ready to be disciplers and be discipled. And it's not an either or, but it's always a both. Yeah. 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 Having that, having that in and out that, uh, I think yeah. it's kind of the same, same paradigm with, um, with evangelism, right? I get asked all the time as a pastor, how can I be a better evangelist? I'm like, well, go evangelize, <laughs> go tell people about your faith and crazy. You'll figure out what you don't know and you'll figure out what you do know. And you'll figure out how to, fill the gaps in um, so that you can effectively communicate the gospel. Um, yeah. And discipleship is a lot the same way. So, yeah, I appreciate that answer. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I get to interview all these things, you know, at this point, I think we got eight or nine inter- interviews that I've done, oh, but awesome. everybody has a different kind of answer to that. Like what is the one thing that you would bring down <clears throat> and drop into our brains? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that whole idea that, um, discipleship is just not, it's not a download of information, even though I just asked for that from you. Uh, discipleship is not a download of information to make us, you know, wiser, smarter, more clever, um, but it's to turn around and use it again, right? Like mm-hmm. we go through all of those processes. We read scripture, we we learn verses. Well, why? Because they're going to be there for us to use when somebody asks us a question, whether we're parenting or working through a marital problem in our in our in our marriages or whether we're helping a friend or whatever it is you know you've 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 received and then you've got something to actually give because in ourselves we have not much of a whole lot of value uh if we can fill it with scripture and fill it with jesus and fill it with uh the truth of that then then there's so much more to offer uh as we process that through yeah no i love that Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The, the The recording's still going. I I, uh, I tell everybody we I do the free Zoom recording and just use the audio, and we haven't even got to the countdown yet, and we just ripped through that. See, the professor came out in you, like I, like the efficiency was just boom, 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 uh, and that was good. So, since I have you, and you have been yes. in the academic uh, Bible college world, uh, for those people that are listening, and, and weirdly enough, we've got lots of people all over the place listening. Uh, we're pretty popular in Switzerland. Don't know why. Um, and a few That's places awesome. all over the all over the world. Uh, if people were considering Bible college as mm-hmm. an option, and they may not be like, uh, they may not be in their teens and 20s. They might be in their 30s, yeah. 40s, 50s, who knows. Uh, what are some of the things that you would suggest to them that they should investigate as they make that decision as to whether or not that's the right kind of step or how to get to the right place? How to get to the right totally, place. It's totally not a planned thing. We just have nope. extra time. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, and that is, I mean, it's a great moment of podcasts. Um, that's really cool to hear that you've kind of, have have uh, been able to uh, find a that, that's just it, I'm not actually that surprised, but it's it cool just kind of spreads. It's like I don't know I don't know how it happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I love that question. Often, like I started teaching, I was 28 when they hired me. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, they kind of hired me on spec. I was still in process on my education, but I'd had some pastoral experience. It wasn't until the last couple of years I was not the oldest person in the room. 
Yeah. And there's kind of this idea that, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm older, what have you, you know, do I go to Bible school? I, I loved, uh, last, last fall I was teaching, I was, an, I was a guest uh, for a week, and there was a father in third year and his daughter was a freshman, and yeah. they were in Bible school together. I, I just love that, and a lot of people kind of figure, well, if I'm older, the door closes, or if I'm younger, it's this or that. There is no, in my opinion, there's no right answer because some people, I went at 18. Uh, this actually, I just quizzed on this by the staff. They're like, wait a second, how old were you when you went to Bible? I went to Bible, I took Greek as a freshman. I was 18 years old sitting in Greek class, trying yeah. to look, you cannot look cool in Greek class. <laughs> no. Sorry, it can't be done. Um, you know, I was 18. We had quite a few married students who were in there. I was a port kid in the 80s when my dad was the business manager for Briarcrest. We had a, a whole section devoted to married students for a reason, and they, they had a really good married student program. You kind of have to look at what's your sense of God's call on your life at this stage. Some 18-year-olds, they are ready to go. I went to Bible school. My grade 12 grad photo was taken with my Bible. I still own that Bible. I still use that Bible when I travel. I was going to Bible school. 18, I was ready. Um, high school is like the waiting period till I got to go to what I really wanted, which Bible school. Some some aren't ready till older. That is, some guys don't enter pastoral ministry till they're 30 or 40 yeah. or 50. Um, there is, it's what is God calling you to? When I start looking at Bible schools, it is, what do I need to learn what, what life experience do I bring? What opportunities are they giving me? I will always ask, because I'm a theology prof, I'll always ask hard questions around, what is their theology? Uh, how, how firm are they on their theology, which lends me uh, a particular theological bent, which given you and I are talking, um, and given that I had at least one of your kids as a Bible school student, we'll leave that question for another time, not on podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I kind of, I think we're probably in a similar theological tradition. But does this line up with my theological tradition? Does this line up with my values? A lot of people obsess over questions like, are they accredited? That's not as big a deal as some people think. Your yeah. bigger, your bigger issue is, what am I going to be like when I leave? What is going? What are they going to facilitate changing in me? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You know, that, that character piece. It is. And I mean, you asked about discipleship. Bible school was a lot of classroom learning that was cemented by the life experience in the dorm. <laughs> dangerous, but yes, <laughs> it's true. Very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it was cemented by some of the ministry experiences. Because I'm in a local church in Regina, where we went to Bible school, and they find out you're a Bible school student. Well, would you, would you assist in this ministry area? I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still remember my church agreed to let me preach. It's like, what were you people thinking? Um, it was awesome. Yep. Those were formative. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for those experiences. And so looking at, at what do I need to be when I leave? Yeah. What is God calling me to today? And not letting fear or letting uh, my current situation dictate terms to God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting question when you think about that that process of the continuing education. Because I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you and I both have educations yeah. in pastoral ministry, um, but there's not a lot of you know 
other than other than man-made kind of things most of the pastors you read of in scripture it's an apprenticeship it's a yeah. coming along with somebody it's not going away to school it's you you come along with somebody so i mean we're just starting a series through first timothy and what did paul do he walked with timothy and then he dropped him in in ephesus and said here's your church mm-hmm. i got to go kind of thing yep. but don't worry about it you know what i like you've been with me you've you've watched me do this so now it's your turn. Um, and, and so much of it is, is I feel like we've lost that in a, in a way because uh, we do need to learn information. Uh, there's stuff that we need to have in our, in our kind of wheelhouse, right? So systematic theology and like all those things that we talked about, uh, that doesn't necessarily just come natural to everybody. Um, you have to work at that. But then at the same time, the relational fortitude to get stuff done in a group of people in a church everybody kind of has a different way of doing it so and you don't necessarily have to go to bible college to be effective at that what's so that's good yeah i like that you kind of laid that out and just kind of said like what are you going to be like when you come out what yeah. what what is it going to be look like on the other end because if you go in loving people and wanting to share the gospel but you come out rigid and hard and cold mm-hmm. that might not have been the best choice um, so there is a little bit of looking at schools. Uh, would you say it this way? Looking at the school, schools in particular to the type of person that comes out of it on the other end. Like, who are some of the alumni? Can we can we just get a cross section of people who have come out of there, and I can kind of look at them and go, like, were they equipped? Can they do this? Are they still kind, loving, caring people, or or not? Um, is that part of it? Would that be part of it for you? Absolutely. When I went to Bible school, uh, I don't know. Did you ever go to Youth Edge? Not Youth Edge. Um, what yeah, did you I call did. It? Um, youth Conference. Youth Conference, yeah. I, I went a couple times, yeah. I, I went one time, and I still remember. I can't. I don't remember which year it was, but I remember very clearly. Walked in this guy's room, kind of thinking I knew I was called to ministry, trying to figure out where I was going to be. One of the the CBC students walks in, starts hanging out for a little bit. And after about an hour sitting with these high school students, I realized I want to be here because I want what he has. Yeah. And he was actually still around in our day. So I I won't name drop him because he's actually still in ministry. But I've had this conversation with him one-on-one. He's like, you need to know. This was, and he had no clue the impact he had on me. But I saw in him and some of the other students things I knew I wanted in my own soul that I thought Jesus wanted for me. And I actually think that that's way more important than we give it credit for. I look at, uh, I I get asked at different times because I've I've brought on some staff here in in recent days, you know, what Bible schools would you hire from? I think that's an interesting question. My first thing is actually to look at who are they graduating? What are their grads like? And you'll always hear, Oh, this person loves this Bible school. This person hates this Bible school. And I, I, I find that those conversations difficult because I've been to a couple of different schools myself. I've taught in one that I didn't attend, sent my kids to. Uh, what, what are their grads like? Yeah. And I look at who's pastoring, how do they pastor? What is their heart for the church? What's their heart for people? And also realize that when you got 20, I don't 22 when I graduated, went to seminary at 22, my first pastorate at 23. I'm not sure I was a good poster child for where I went to school at 22 or 23, but maybe by about 30, I was a little bit wiser. 
Yeah. And so we've got to allow for some of the, the youthful oh. enthusiasm to rub off. <laughs> uh, but that, that's a factor. I think to really be honest with ourselves, how much academic do I need or how much discipleship do I need? And there's discipleship schools, there's academic schools, and then there's schools that blend the two. Every school blends the two. It's what's your percentage? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I find it interesting that you go through that story and talk. We got yeah. to talk about Bible college, which I we I kind of took a left turn and left discipleship, and you came right back to discipleship. Yeah. You sat in the dorm room, watched some older guys walk out faith, and went, "No, I want to do this. Yeah. I want. I want. I want, want. I'm being inspired to go farther in my faith." Yeah. Which, well, it's not super intentional, and it wasn't like a month long thing or whatever. It was one weekend. It was transformative because somebody let you see their walk of faith in action and, and there, and there it kind of went. So yeah, that's, uh, it wasn't a planned question, but it was a good one. I think I like that one. We're definitely going to highlight that somehow. I don't know how to do that though. So it'll just be in there and people will find that nugget of gold at the end. And this rambling guy named Steve trying to close this thing down. So, <laughs> so I want to thank you. I mean, I've always appreciated you. your faithfulness to uh, the call of ministry in your life. Cause like you said, you mentioned there's uh, some battles with illness and some difficulties that way for yourself and for your family. And, and uh, you've walked those through in an exemplary kind of way, as far as the cloud of witnesses watching around you. Right. Um, so I've always appreciated that. And I know uh, if my son was to rank favorite professors he had through his Bible college days, you're you're in the you're in the top end for sure. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of students around that uh, have hung around here in our area that still talk about you as as somebody who was informative for them or formative for them and uh, one of their favorite profs. So thanks for coming and sharing some thoughts with us and uh, yeah, when I, when, well, I won't say when the next time I get to Saskatchewan will come your way. Cause I'm, I'm going next week to go to school for some more, uh, there in, in lovely Miller college of the Bible, uh, That's in, awesome. on the tundra of, of Saskatchewan, Canada, easy to draw, hard to spell. And uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for coming on. Hopefully it has been an encouragement yep. for the people listening. And, uh, if they wanted to ever connect with you, Joran, how how could they do that? If somebody's out there and going, man, I want to ask that guy some some theology questions. Sure. How would they get a hold of you? Uh, easiest way, probably go to arendellealliance.ca. Uh, contact information's on the website or you know, Facebook. The nice thing with the name like Joran, J-O-R-I-N, uh, yeah. green's the last name, like the color. There's not a lot of Joran Greens on Facebook. You're looking for somebody who's bald, probably wearing a cycling uniform or something. Um, I think I used to buzz your house regularly on my bike. Yeah, you you, you used to stop for water on hot days, yeah. Sometimes, (laughs) yes. Um, But no, they're welcome to to shoot me a line either on Facebook or on uh, email. It's all on uh, Arendelle's website. Arendelle. Wait until you have a chat. E-R-I-N, Aaron, not A-A-R-E-R-I-N. D-A-L-E. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. He's in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, so, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, when I have burning questions for theology to be answered, I will be calling you and getting your wisdom. <laughs> I'll give you an answer. I don't know. <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> They're perfect. 
Blessings on you, my friend. Thanks. You too.